Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Mark. I'm Matt Henry. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Lena. All right, guys. Like and share. Like and share. I don't know. Oh, my God. All right, everybody. Everybody, you have to understand that it's hard for us to ask you to like and to share and to rate us high on iTunes, and we feel like we're just beating a dead horse, but we need you to do it. So do it. Yeah, just take a few seconds. I mean, you don't even have to pause this. You can be listening to this, scroll right into that thing with all the stars, scroll your finger right across those stars, write a a nice review or tell us what you really think. That's fine. We can talk about it, but um, do that. That'd be fantastic. That really helps us get the word out. If you don't, we will stop with the memes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Withhold the memes. Withhold the memes. That will be our we battle a, cry. We're doing a meme ransom here? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, okay. they need to do it. No, it's good. We got to lay it down at some point here. Yep. So. All right. Yep. So uh, no reviews, no memes. But um, no no one no one cares. There's a t-shirt. <laughs> Talk about it. Honestly, people would be like, people be like that, I'm that taking is... back my reviews. I don't want memes. Look at those stupid things. <laughs> I don't. I still don't get them. Get I kind of like them. Honestly, the memes. The, to be honest with you, the, you know, people the memes are things. fine. But that's how I found out a lot of, about a lot of pastors. That's how I, you know. That's believe true. it or not, that's how I found out about Paul Washer. Yeah. Really? It was memes. Who's that? Oh, stop. Oh, I was like, you idiot. We just gosh. heard him preach. And then it's like, oh, he's got there's, his smirk. There's the Father. There's the Son. Oh, there's gosh. the Holy Spirit. Stop it. Don't and do somewhere it. somewhere around Don't there, there's Paul Washer. No. no. I'm, jo- <laughs> I'm right, now, joking. Now You're we're so going to get in trouble. <laughs> Very funny. All right. Joking. That just hit a one star by everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. MacArthur's up there, too. Oh, no. gosh. I'm the kidding. 1689 gang just unsubscribed. <laughs> No, we, we just can't do that. No, no, of course not. But but regardless, guys, uh, rate and review, like and share on Facebook and on uh, Instagram. That really helped us out. So. so how many people do you think fast forwarded through that? They're still fast forwarding. Man, they're still talking about it. Probably all six of seven listeners. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you take well, it. Okay. We are talking about sex, singleness, and marriage. So we did the one on sex. We're going to attempt to do, for the third or fourth time, singleness <laughs> and marriage and do it in one shot. But we're saying we want all three of these to be together because... They belong they, together. Yeah. 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 So in light of that, let's talk about singleness. Well, let's talk about it in relationship to sex. Sure. Because we talked about the idea of what what is a reality. People have sexual desires um, and in the church this is uh, a, a problem that we're constantly facing as pastors you know we, we hear over and over and over again I'm just struggling with pornography I, I, I want this I want that and the scripture gives some very very simple counsel to that and so 
what we need to have is a biblical sense of understanding what sex is and how it fits into the Christian's life because it is a creation of God. But then also we have to be able to think about what it means to be single and then why does marriage even exist? Um, and so we, that, that's the idea. That we're, yeah. we're, we're transitioning from in light of what we've talked about with regard to sex, uh, let's talk about the nature of singleness, right? Okay. So everyone starts out single. Um, yeah, you're not born married. Right. Um, but the expectation, biblically, is to marry. Okay, so simple. Yeah. It, it's not normal to remain single. It's not God's pattern. Yeah. And that's, that's set forth in Genesis 1 and 2. Um, I mean, he takes Adam. He creates him. He mm -hmm. lets him see that he's alone. It's not good for him to be alone, and he makes for him not a friend, not BFF, not anything. A dog. Yeah. He, he, he makes for him a wife. Right. And from there, it's be fruitful and multiply. And from that point forward, you see men and women marrying. In fact, it's built into it. It's that a man is to leave his mother and father and not go out and hang out with his buddies, but he is to cleave to his wife. But it, and it's the pattern because it's set in something known as the cultural mandate, right? Yes. So part of that cultural mandate in Genesis 1 and 2 is to go out and cultivate the earth to work. So just as normal and natural as working is, so is marriage. Right. It's, it's Now, if you're listening and you're single and you don't want to be single, um, we're not yelling at you. Uh, but but what we are seeing is this growing tendency of people to, I mean, adulthood, at least in our perception, is getting pushed back further and further and further. When I was younger, you were an adult when you hit 18. In Mary's and uh, Joseph's day, what was it? 14. 14, right. I mean, and... That's the, that, that's the, the bulk of the history of the world. And it's still going on today. Yeah. Uh, it's it's normal. Once you hit puberty, you are now to the point where you can bear children and you are considered to be marriable. Yeah. So, so, uh, so now we have 30 four more, Well, four more years, so 18. That's just what our culture has right. determined. But then you got to go to college and do four or five years there. But now it's not that. It's you got to do a gap year where you go and yeah, travel. What? Explain it, that it's, again. It's, you, you take a year off between high school and college and you go travel, you become cultured, you do, so until you, you're trying to figure out what you are, who you are. When did that become a thing? I don't know. It's a... You know what, though? It's built on the whole idea. It's all about me. Absolutely. And, and somehow I've got to experience certain things yeah. and see things. But now you've got guys who can't get out of their mom and dad's house. That They're living in the basement, whatever it is. They're just perpetually single. Um, and it's not good. And it's one thing within the world to see that. It's not good there just for the culture, but within the church, that ought not to be the pattern. And so the first thing we want to talk about in, uh, in light of the cultural mandate is that there are places and times where a person ought to stay single. The scripture actually talks about it. So yeah. we're going to develop that real quickly here. Yeah. Um, and the very first thing, it, it's all built out of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It would be um, 
to be fully devoted to the serving of the Lord. Yeah. I mean, and but, so, but those are important qualifications. Yeah, they, these are exceptions to the norm. Um, I, I choose to with with go uh, or forego um, marriage because I see it as a way that it would distract me from serving God in some unique capacity. We're not talking about celibacy for the clergy, you know, the, the Roman Catholic system. It's, it's the idea of uh, maybe you're going into an exceedingly difficult mission field. Um, yeah. This is not a place to bring a spouse. Um, uh, did you ever meet the guy in Athens who... Yeah. I, we don't know his real name. Right. And he's he goes into extremely dangerous place. In fact, they lost a missionary that he served with um, who was murdered uh, by Afghanis, I believe, and the Taliban. And, you know, for him, it's like this is not a place I can, I can bring a, a wife. So I'm willfully choosing to be single because this is my choice for life. I want to focus on the gospel in exceedingly difficult places. So he chooses not to do it. It's, it's that desire that I want to be wholehearted, focused on the Lord. Right. Um, so, so 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32 and following, Paul says, if you're unmarried, then you're able to be of one mind regarding the pleasing of the Lord. You don't have to be worried about what your spouse is saying and then the natural byproduct, which is children, and you're not pulled in all these different directions. It's, no, I can now focus my mind on that one task. Yeah. Uh, another one would be, you know, the, the time is too risky. We'll just say it that way. Um, again, this one comes from 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 26, where Paul talks about this present distress, as he says. Um, there appears to be a, a current situation that might warrant putting off marriage. Likely in the context, it's involving the issue of persecution. Yeah. And so it's, okay, if you get married right now and you're a Christian, you're going to be bringing a whole bunch of people into a, a family, into a dangerous situation, and now you have to care for them, protect them in some way. Right. And so he just calls it this present distress. Um, now, the only other reason to stay single is because you can't truly find a believing spouse. That's, I mean, God is just not given. You're not a around other Christians for whatever reason, but you cannot find a believing spouse. Um, and so I really want that to sink into the listeners. Um, those are the only three reasons given to us by Paul where a person should be saying, yeah, I want to be single. Yeah. Um, it has nothing to do with whether I feel like it or I want to experience other things. Those are the three things. So depending on how you understand divorce and remarriage, there would also be a final one. And that is that if you are divorced, then I would argue that you are to remain in that situation. Now, others don't hold to that. They will hold to a, uh, the fact that you can remarry for various reasons. I have an extremely conservative view. You do too. Um, and maybe we'll do a podcast or two on that someday. But that's it. Yeah. Very, um, very limited. And so if, if you're going to have a biblical worldview and let the scriptures control your decision-making and your actions, marriage needs to be the norm. That needs to be what you're moving toward. These are the exceptions. That's it. Right. And so if, you ha if you're single... Um, and it's not for these reasons, then, but you say, yeah, I want to be single. You're not really developing a biblical 
thought pattern or a biblical worldview regarding marriage, a spouse, and even children. And all this is going to get back into, at the very core, parenting. You know, um, how is a mom and dad raising their children, um, both male and female, and their unique differences? Um, why, why are they raising them? What are they producing in them as to their desires, their passions, their expectations? Uh, I know for a fact that my wife and I, when we were raising our children early, it was just part of our conversation with them that when you get married, it was not if, it was when you get married. And we were just talking about marriage from the earliest of days. Uh, when you hear a woman tell a potential suitor that um, they need to support her, uh, that they need to support her goals and her dreams, right away you have a problem. Yeah. Because that's a young lady who's been raised to think something that that, that man exists to support her as she pursues her career or her dreams. When in fact her calling, according to scripture, is to come alongside him and help him. Um, it was not her dream, uh, Eve's dreams that right. uh, she was pursuing and Adam was there. Rather, she was to be his helper and she, he, she was to come alongside him as he then fulfills the mandate that God gave him go and bring uh, yeah. the world under submission, yeah. basically. And you make a good statement on this. Um, you'll say, essentially, a young woman, if she's thinking rightly and biblically, is sh she ought to be pursuing goals and these kinds of things, but she's essentially waiting for her life to be interrupted. Yeah. Um, she's not waiting for a man to come alongside and support her goals and desires, but she's waiting to have those goals and desires interrupted so that she might come alongside her husband now and support him in his vocation. Right. And, and that's actually what we did with our children. So we had one child who married later on, one daughter who married later into her life. And um, I was always reminding her and encouraging her, praising her as she continued to excel in the business world and she was getting promotions and opportunities, you know, that, that she needs to be pursuing those things. Um, but she had been raised from the earliest of days knowing that if the Lord brings her as a husband, which he did, um, that all of a sudden all of that is to change and to shift now toward helping her husband achieve the things that he believes um, he is called to do. And, and this is one of those, again, challenges you get guys who are just kind of slouching their way through life and they don't know why. And... They, they look at a young lady like that and they're like, hey, she's great because she can support me. Um, and you got men who are saying, yeah, I'd, I'd be even open to being a stay-at-home dad. It's like, no, no. Right. <laughs> um, she is to help you, not the other way around. And this gets into some very unpopular thinking today, but it's, it's biblical thinking. Right. Um, you don't want to raise a daughter who is just sitting around waiting and hoping that some guy comes along because sadly he may never come along for various reasons but um train your daughters equip her equip them get them into school let them pursue a career path if the lord has not brought them early on uh, a husband um but always with the understanding mm -hmm. that that can completely change in a moment and that's good it's, she's not losing something. She's not missing out on something that would better because she now says, I'm going to step away from my career path so that I can help my husband in his. Yeah. Um, very different thinking. Right.
So, so we are saying that marriage is the norm. You should be preparing yourself and making yourself ready then for this marriage. And so in light of that, what would you say, for instance, a young man of 16 all right. who's becoming right. of marriage age should begin to do to prepare for marriage? Well, first of all, I would, I know for a fact, I would ask him to figure out what are the major realms of life, um, uh, spiritual realm, the financial realm, the physical realm, the educational realm, the practical realm, social realm. I'm, I'm going to be thinking, if this guy is super shy, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, some people are very bold and some people by their just nature are very shy and retiring. There's nothing wrong in and of that, but you can't be controlled by that. So if my son was, or this young man was given towards shyness, I'm going to tell him, let's look for ways where you can get out of your comfort zone, which is, you know, hidden in your room with your books and engage other people, learn how to talk to them. Even though it's not what you like, you need to get better at that. You need to learn to have social skills. If they're overly bold, then it's also showing, teaching them how to pull that back a little bit so that they're not uh, dominating. Um, in the physical realm, I, you, I'm not trying to be harsh here, you, but you take a look at the guy and if he doesn't know how to comb his hair and take a shower at 16, and sadly a lot don't, you need to say, dude, yeah. Let me introduce you to your friend deodorant. Yeah. Uh, you know you stink. Yeah. Um, you or you, you are way overweight. Right. Um, because you know, and we will say, because you may, may the pushback to that might be, well, what matters is the inside, oh, the yeah. heart of the person. But the reality is, we know this biblically. Those those are outward manifestations of an internal priority or practice or principle right. or conviction. Right. We're not, we're not telling, a, I would never look at a 16 year old and say, you need to look at the latest GQ or whatever is, I don't know what the magazines are out there anymore. Um, but, and say, that's what you're supposed to look like. That's not realistic either. It's the idea that you need to be in shape. You need to have certain skills. You, and when I say physical, it's not just your looks. I'm saying you need to develop the ability to fix things. You should learn mm -hmm. some basic skill sets. Yeah. Um, and and if you don't have them, then go find somebody in the church who's good at it. Like we got guys who can build anything or fix anything. Hang out with them and tell them, look, I'm, I'm really bad at this. Would you let me hang out with you um, so I can learn? Just begin to develop up uh, better skills. Same thing in the financial realm. I remember guys coming to pursue one of my daughters and one of the questions I asked them was, are you carrying any debt? And they would like, well, why do you need to know? I'm like, because you want one of my daughters. <laughs> and so how much debt you have and how much do you have saved? And let me, let me see your budget and just some basic things of, do they understand how money works? Um, and what's that, that debt from, you know, yeah. is it from foolish things or is it from good things? You, you told me this. I, I did not know this, that it is now common, this blew me away, that people then take out school loans to the max, I think you said, mm -hmm. or fill in if I, where they, they actually get more debt uh, loans than they need so they can then use that. And yeah. Well, you're, explain you're, that to me. I mean, you're approved for an X amount of, you know, funding. Um, I didn't know this. A, a, you know, if you're taking out a government loan or something, and they usually give you all that you need to cover tuition costs and 
basic, you know, computer stuff like that. But what they'll do is they'll take out the Macs so they can get the best computer, you know, a nice car, a better apartment, so on and so forth. Um, but at an incredible interest rate because it's a government loan. I mean, a very high interest rate. And it's just like, there's a, there's a heart issue behind that. See, you I know? always wondered how they had the cool stuff, the students. I always looked at them. You always heard about the starving college student. Yeah, how do like, you have that, that top-of-the-line MacBook and yeah. the newest iPhone all the time and the $4,000, you know, scooters and bikes and nice car. And it's just like, well, they're taking out, you know, sometimes they're just untaught. Well, you and that, that gets back into the parenting. So your question was originally a 16-year-old. Yeah. So I would look at a guy like that and say, okay, do you have a job? Uh, no. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm focusing on my sports. Yeah, you're not good enough to be pro, so right. stop. Um, go get a job and, and then start developing skills. And then we're going to work on you learning how to save your money. And we're going to learn... Uh, you're going to begin to learn how to make wise purchases. You're going to start to bring these things under control. Now, ideally, a mom and dad have been doing this from the earliest of days. I mean, we we did this with our children. Again, it's nothing deep, but when they got birthday money, grandma sent them ten dollars. It was it was not an, an, a, it was never open for discussion. It was you will give ten percent to the church. You will keep ten percent. And you will put eighty percent in the savings account. That was, they're six years old, and they had a piggy bank that we controlled, and eighty percent of that funds. But they also learned to always give, always give, okay. and it was just part of their life. And so they know nothing but I make money, I give to the Lord, I save, and then I have a certain amount that I can spend on myself. And when you're little, it's not much. You're like, wow, I got a yeah. buck. You know, I had $10 and I got bucked. But once they start making real money, what happened is that our children were able to pay cash for every year of school and college. And, and so they didn't have to take on uh, unnecessary debt uh, because they had prepared ahead of time for all of that. And I, I, I hear about these kids and, they, and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm carrying X amount of debt. And it's like, yeah. man, that's so unfortunate because you enter into adulthood and then with this massive debt. And then you're like, I can't afford to get married because I got 30,000. My, the girl I really like has another 40,000 or whatever. And I mean, right. I mean, even, you know, ideas like that are important for, let's say a young woman's looking at a man to marry. I don't think an inappropriate question is to ask, what's your philosophy of giving? Yeah. What do you give to the church? Why? Actually, I wouldn't, I would be so bold as to say, have your giving state printed out. <laughs> Uh, as year-to-date giving. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> you're you're going to... I mean, Because it wh- reveals the heart. Right. Jesus says, where your treasure is, so is your heart. So why don't we just yeah. see it? If this guy at 25 um, is making money and he is not learning to give to the Lord, then there's something inherently broken in his thinking. Um, and is this a guy then you want to follow? Right. Um, my point, I guess, in all of that, you asked the question... Uh, 
I'm going to begin to work with a 16-year-old to begin to think beyond the moment of now. Let's start to develop a full-orbed sense of my place in this world and where am I lacking. If, if they, they're like, ah, I hate to read, well, you need to learn to read. If you're going to get through life, you better learn. So I'm going to give him books that he needs to read and, and force him to read. I, it blows me away when I talk to mom and dad and I say, this would be a great book. It's a fun book to read. And they're like, yeah, my kid started. He just didn't really like it. It's like, nobody asked if he liked it. It's, it's got nothing to do with if, if you're going to read only because you like it, then you miss the whole point. It's you're learning a skill so that you can acquire knowledge. Yeah. And you know, I mean, a person who can read can overcome a lot of deficiencies. I mean, I, to this day for me, there's a lot of things I'm not good at. You know that. Um, and my first thought- You know how to eat a grape though. I can eat a grape properly right. to the maximum potential. And guess. dig a hole. And dig a hole. I'm a good di- hole digger. Um, but when I don't know how to do something, my first instinct is go get a book. Because if, if I can get a book and sit down and read it, eventually I can figure it out, whatever it is. Now you can do the same thing with a woman. Uh, there are certain things that would be, um, I guess, different. Um, in that sense of also developing certain skills in the sense of de- developing a nurturing uh, skills of, of caring for children and, and planning and home, the whole world that used to be in my, in my day, you went to school and there's home economic and it was for the ladies and it was to prepare them to be able to run a household. Uh, today, many young ladies don't even know how to cook. They, they physically have never had to figure out how to cook. And it's it's not good, and so also massive amounts of money just going out because they constantly eat out or they buy you know prepared foods. But how how do we do that? How you know a woman in the scripture is called to be known as a woman who does mercy and works uh, works of mercy. So I'm going to be looking at my daughters and putting them in situations where they're going to give care to people. They're going to go visit widows. Um, they're going to go into nursing homes and um, read to lonely old ladies who have been forgotten by their children. Uh, th- these are other skills that you would want to develop. But the whole idea is you're preparing them so that they become an attractive individual, not just on the outward, but they're actually becoming attractive as a potential spouse. This is a woman who can be with me and and achieve those goals that, that I have. And the young woman is now looking at a young man and he's not just cute or he doesn't just make her laugh, but this is a young man who knows where he's going. He's This is a guy who's got his act together. Um, that's a respectable thing. And that, that makes singleness a much better chance that you're not going to be forever single yeah. when when they realize you're carrying debt, you're out of shape, you have no education, um, and you have really no ability to interact with people, and you have no dreams. You're yeah. just existing. So you should understand that there is purpose to your singleness, and yeah. that it's to prepare you, or think about how you should be preparing yourself as you move toward that trajectory or goal of being married. Absolutely. Uh, in fact. Moms and dads need to repent of that as and see it as sin. If they are not, it's not just singleness, it's just childhood. It's the idea that you, their entire childhood is not there so they can have fun. 
but that they are being prepared to enter into the world of adulthood and be a faithful uh, part of society, but also a faithful spouse. So I have told countless fathers, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll drive by their house, let's say, and I'll see them out uh, mowing their lawn. I know that they have, you know, young men living in their house, sons that are able-bodied. And I actually will talk to them. I'm like, hey, I saw you mowing the lawn. It's like, yeah. Is there a reason why your son's not? Well, he's he had soccer practice. And I'm like, you shouldn't do it. You should never make soccer something more important than him just fulfilling the role of learning the skill of mowing the lawn or painting something or something. You know, the mom and dad, their job is not to enable the children to experience life. Their job is to prepare them to become fully functioning adults. And so a lot of times as a pastor, we find ourselves um, trying to pick up the wreckage that mom and dad failed to do with uh, children. Now, here I'm talking about children who have been raised within a Christian home. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not talking about ones who are coming to Christ um, later on in life. I'm talking about here, here you're second, third generation Christian, and yet you're not uh, a man who's a godly young man. You're not, you don't have your act together with regard to these things. That ought not to be within the church, but unfortunately it is. And then we wonder why people remain single. Um, it's, it's, it's not hard to yeah. figure out. So on our last episode, we talked a lot about purity and how that's something you ought to strive for as a single person, but that we also live in a culture where in many cases, that's just not the norm. Or you're coming from a home or a background where you weren't raised as a Christian. You didn't, yeah. purity yeah. wasn't exalted. It wasn't even a thing on your radar. And so you have this history. Um, and so you, you have a, you're, you're coming out of a world of, of sexual sin, in other words. Um, so what would you say to a person like that? And that's really common. And it's also wonderfully exciting when you, when you get to sit down in your office, right? And talk to somebody who yeah. their, their life story is just sad, uh, but, but their, their faith is in Christ. So they have new life. And so the first thing you need to get them to begin to understand is that they're now in Christ and something is totally radically different. Um, and this new life means just that it's a new life. So they need to learn to put those things behind them. Yeah. Um, they need to stop judging themselves according to them. Um, wow, that's a strong gust of wind. Um, that's a Wisconsin fall wind, folks. <laughs> um, but. It's, it's important that they begin to change their mind. Um, in fact, my wife and I were just talking about passage in 2 Corinthians 10, where it's taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, that they need to begin to rethink um, just because that's what they once were. It's not what they are. And so they need to begin, uh, you and I will talk about the putting off that Paul talks, put off this uh, lies and untruth and put on truth, mm -hmm. um, put off stealing and put on uh, wor faithful work so that you might give. Um, another thing is you should never parade what the scripture would call shameful. So you, you don't cling to things that remain um, in your past, uh, put them away. Uh, instead, learn to exalt things that, you're, that you have now, the new passions for holiness. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just speak of my wife real quickly there. 
um, she came from a, a very different background than she is now as a pastor's wife. And when I met her, um, she was extremely shy uh, and retiring. And the reason was she was afraid what she would say. Uh, she didn't know how to talk like a Christian because she was raised in a completely non-Christian home in the fullest extent. And when I got to know her, I found out that all she wanted to do was to go to work and then come back home and sit and read her Bible. And I, at first I thought, how quaint. But actually what it was was, um, I have a new passion. I, I want to know my Lord. I, want, I, don't, I don't know what it means to be a Christian. I know I am now a Christian, but I am so untaught. And so all she would do is just sit and read her Bible. And I met her when she was only nine months old in the Lord. And my heart already became knit to her. Um, and I realized this is not, this, this girl's not like other girls. She's something different. And unbeknownst to her and unbeknownst to me, she was preparing, being prepared to become a pastor's wife because I didn't even know I was going to be a pastor. Um, but she's been such a fit uh, example. And she's been able to talk to so many young ladies who have maybe come out of a life where they're filled with shame. And she's just a living example of you can put those things away. Those things don't define you anymore. Uh, instead, let's begin to put on this new passion. Uh, young men, the same way. That, and, and that means you're going to have to say, okay, I'm going to stop watching this. I'm going to stop dressing like this and talking like this and spending my money like that. Yeah. Um, but, but coming out of that sexual twistedness um, does not say, well, I'm bringing some spice into my marriage now. No, it means even though I know certain things, they no longer are a part of me and yeah. they no longer define me. Uh, well, And then on the other side of that conversation is, let's say you were raised in the church. Let's say you were raised to exalt purity. Um, and so that's always what you thought your spouse would be, right? But unbeknownst to you, someone comes trotting into your life who has a past, who has a history, but they're now new in Christ. They're not damaged goods, you know? No. Um, you have to understand that, especially in our culture and in our day, that's probably going to be the bulk of people anyway. Um, so that doesn't, I have, I've often thought if Jesus was to marry, I have a feeling he'd go for the Samaritan woman, the prostitute. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as she's redeemed and he would wash her and make her new. Um, so also understand that though, if you're raised in a Christian home, purity is what should be the goal, um, your spouse may have a history. Well, and that gets into the role of a husband anyhow, just that part of the loving your wife like Christ loves the church. The purpose of his love is, uh, of Christ's love is to present his bride to himself without spot or wrinkle. And the church is a shameful woman. Yeah. Um, and yet Christ in his grace redeems her and now cleanses her. So yet you're right. Um, um, and on the flip side, you're a Christian coming out in a life of purity and you marry a man or a woman who is not from that. That's not a way to exploit that either and say, right. Ooh, I'm going to get something. It's like, no, no, you're, you're, you're going to guard that spouse of yours and you're going to value the new life that they have in Christ. That's a good point you made. Yeah. Um, it, just as some quick, by the ways, it's worth considering um, the messages of this age that singles are taught, even in the church, that are 
destructive and not helpful. So you, you'll often hear things like, this is my body. Yeah. Right. Or I need to love myself. Well, and they do that. I think we're going to get into just a moment, but it's my body so I can do what I want with it. It's like, um, actually, it's your body that you're going to be giving to your spouse freely. And once you are married, they actually have authority over that body. So right. you should be a steward of that body, not an exploiter right. of the fact, this is my body so I can do whatever I want yeah. with it. So, yeah, you're a steward of your future spouse's body. Yeah. That's a way to yeah. do it. But or, go ahead. No, no. You, you, well, you just, said I something mean, about love. Yeah, I mean, that, that common message of I just need to, I need to love myself. Yeah. I need to pursue my career, my dreams. Um, this, this sort of self-focus is something that's highly destructive and why I think the church is in the state that it is today with yeah. many singles. Well, in, in every aspect, right? Uh, the church is now purely consumeristic almost. Yeah. So rather, we should be asking a simple question. What does God call me to be as um, a believer? If, if young men right now would just stop and ask that question rather than what do I want in right. a spouse or what am I looking for or, or whatever, they would just say, what does God call me as a believer to be? Well, I would say to them, are you single? Yeah, he wants you pure. Mm -hmm. So stop looking at that stuff and stop thinking that way. You know, uh, uh, stop playing around so yeah, yeah. Uh, what a simple question. What does God call me as a believer to be? Yeah. I ask that in almost every one of my uh, counseling se sessions, no matter what they are, is um, I can't promise to you that whatever is the situation can be resolved. My question to you is um, how can you honor God in it? Right. And once you define that, it, it the whole thing... Decision-making becomes very easy. Yeah. Though not pleasant. But right, it becomes easy. Well, I can't tell you how many young men I've said, look, you need to learn how to make the, the hard decision, um, which is frequently the right decision. And you, you act like your decisions are hard to figure out. They're not. What really is what's hard is whether I want to do, do what I know yeah. is right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would, I would tell a, a person, in fact, I did this with my children again, be very slow very slow, super duper slow to make decisions that limit your attractiveness to a, a, a potential spouse. So uh, what, what I mean by that is before you decide you're going to start piercing yourself everywhere and anywhere because it's your body, ask yourself, is that going to make me more attractive or less attractive uh, you know whatever the culture is doing right now doesn't mean you should be following yeah. you should really again I, I i encourage young men and women to kind of keep their bodies um a blank slate yeah uh, if if a husband likes a certain look fine or if a wife look likes a certain look fine but but let them be telling you rather than them having to say in spite of that i'm choosing to love you right. and 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 honor you but so so it, this gets into your body modifications um tattoos but it also gets into debt uh demeanor education speech patterns i mean when you have a guy who you you, you talk to him and he's like well uh you know uh rad and they can't they have like 12 words. Do you say rad? Rad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, 
they, but literally, they have not been taught how to talk. I, I remember sitting with my son when he was young and making him practice handshakes with me. And I mean, 20 times. No, that, that was horrible, Manny. Do it again. No, Matt, loosen your arm up, but firm grip. No, not a fish grip, a firm, you know, and we practiced and practiced and practiced it. Um, and people think, well, that's kind of over the top. No, it's not. You know, you shake my son's hand now and you get a good hand shake. Um, how to stand up straight. Just would you stop slouching? Um, sit like a young lady. Um, be, be proper in the way that you look. Look at that man in the eye when he's talking to you. Uh, listen to it. Say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Uh, all of those types of things. Um, and this, this is not just me making up stuff. Right. There's a principle, a biblical principle. Yeah. Yeah. First Corinthians seven, four says a wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. This is where I say, your body's a blank slate, leave it alone. Your wife or your husband will speak into that. But it, it's the idea that you want to be able to be attractive rather than marred if you will. Um, so many applications. <laughs> well, I don't know how to say it. Uh, you know, a guy, if you don't shower and, and take care of yourself and, and you stink and you slouch and you mumble and you can't look at a person in the eye and you don't know how to approach people or start a conversation or maintain a conversation and then you scratch your head and you're like, well, I don't know why I'm single so I'll go look at porn. It's like, dude, yeah. grow up. But... It, it gets into the idea of just a, a common problem is just weight. You know, it, we have all kinds of different body types, but if if your your car and your house and your garbage cans are filled with McDonald's, um, and you and you're not keeping yourself in shape, it's not saying that you can't get married, but you immediately a limit. Yeah, your pool becomes much smaller. Yeah, to choose yeah. from. It, it just does. Yeah. And if you want to be a guy that's got, you know, cool tattoos across your forehead and your throat, okay, I guess. I mean, I can't tell you no, um, but then don't be shocked when a lot of girls just simply say, yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't want to look at that in the morning time. Um, I know that sounds harsh, especially in the day where everyone is out there slapping tattoos on themselves yeah. right and left, but it's like... And, so, and some do, and some will find that attractive. But the, the principle you're trying to make, though, is it's not really, in a biblical sense, your body. No. It's you're a steward of your future spouse's body. And, and to be hyper-spiritual, it's God's body, and he created it a certain way. He didn't create it with those things. Yeah. Um, leave it alone, and then let your spouse begin to define for you those things, and now you're now you're serving her, or you're serving him in in some simple simple ways. Yeah. But just for clarity, if your husband wants you to get a bunch of tattoos because he's a dumb twenty four year old, there's yes. some wisdom there too. Yeah, uh, and there. Yeah, that thanks, Lena. Um, that's actually a good thing. Is um, again. Part of that is marrying a wise young man, sure. right? But you marry a bunch of dumb young men and young women, the same. Yeah, at points there, you're going to make appeal. You're going to even say, can we seek counsel on this? And, um, you know, and that's, again, hopefully, 
every young person ideally has godly individuals speaking in their life. Um, I mean, the problem with talking about this is it's not a, a one-dimensional thing. There's so many other aspects that don't go on today where we we basically interact with people through texting and and chat and whatnot rather than face-to-face um, examples. A, a young person would be wise if they're thinking about doing something and they see the facial expressions of older people who are like, really? They should stop. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, mom and dad trained them to give pause and say, hmm, that seemed like a good idea, but every old person I talk to is looking at me a little weird. Um, maybe, maybe I should pull back. Um, what looks really great on the 20-something body is not going to necessarily look quite the same. I always joke that some people's tattoos are going to be like the Mad Magazine when they're older. Do you know how the back... Have you ever seen a Mad Magazine? I don't know. I have oh, idea what you're talking about. Uh, I'm showing my age. But on the very last page was this weird picture. And it was a whole picture, but there was these little arrows. And then you folded the folded it, oh, no. and you matched the arrows up, and then there was a new picture. Oh, and, and it's like, you know, you're not going to look like that. That really cool tattoo sure. is not what you're going to look like when you're 45 and things are not quite the same places. Yeah. <laughs> gravity. Yeah, gravity is not your friend to a tattoo. But So let me, uh, let's just bring this to a close. Um, I guess what we would say of this in, in the end here is the biblical model is that your singleness is designed to lead somewhere. Yeah. Which is marriage. Yeah. That, that's the point. Um, marriage isn't something to consider you know, after you've fulfilled your desires as no. a single. Right. Uh, and now maybe you feel like you need something more, want to complete a sense of emptiness. So maybe marriage will bring a solution. Marriage is the goal, not singleness. Marriage right. is the norm. You're driving that way. If you're thinking biblically. If you're thinking biblically, if you're going to have a biblical worldview. Um, so we would say be incredibly wise in how you pursue your singleness, knowing that every single decision or non-decision is going to have consequences. And and so that little rant about, you know, choices that we make um, can affect that. The point behind it is you want to make yourself be as marriageable as possible. Make yourself to be an attractive, worthwhile spouse to a potential suitor um, or, you know, or as a potential husband, um, that this is... I, I'm now presenting my best foot forward um, that, that because I'm conforming myself into a biblical mindset of what a man or a woman ought to be in before the world and before Christ. Mm-hmm.